The final player free agency preview episode for the Pacers. Diving into the two-way contract, guys. Kendall Brown, Gabe York. Will they be back? Should they be back? What makes sense? How do the CBA rules matter? We'll get to all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, looking ahead at free agency again for Pacers players. We did James Johnson and George Hill earlier this week. We did O'Shea Brissett last month, wrapping up this series with Kendall Brown and Gabe York, the two two-A guys who finished the season. Will they be back? Should they be back? Should the Pacers promote either of them? Should they bring them back on two ways? What is the deal that could happen here? Neither of these guys merit a full episode, but I think they both merit a segment and kind of looking ahead at what this Pacers offseason could be. Yesterday, if you missed it, we talked about Eamon Thompson, uh, one of the higher-rated draft prospects. Tomorrow, it's Asar Thompson. Early next week, Cam Whitmore, as well as contract extension talk. Lots of good stuff coming as June approaches, as the finals approach. And in June, we'll get into lots more free agency stuff because it is officially the month. It is happening as well as continuing the prospect breakdowns. Today, we'll start with Kendall Brown, a fascinating, fascinating player, right? The the high-level discussion of what his next steps are with the Pacers in the NBA, whatever, is that Pacers really liked him, right? They traded up, they traded in, whatever phrasing you want to use, to get him in the second round with that 48th pick last year, right? They're a fan of what he can do, what he can provide, how he can impact the game, right? They want athleticism, they want speed, he provides both of those. And he was showing some of that stuff before he got hurt, right? His Pacers-specific stats are underwhelming, right? In those six games, it's not like they jumped off the page one and a half points and one rebound per game, but he hit 57% of his shots in the NBA, which is four out of seven, but still, uh, he had six rebounds in his limited minutes. I think he played like 40 minutes. His G League stats are solid, right? He ended his G League season in 16 games, uh, averaging 10.3 points, 4.9 rebounds, 2.1 assists on 50, 32 and a half, 82 splits, right? So not great shooting, but not bad shooting. Uh, and his defense is what stood out. If you've listened to the show, uh, you've heard me talk about with Kendall Brown. I think the most promising thing about him is the defense. When we did his season review with Caitlin Cooper, the clips we used we're about defense. So despite being on a two-way deal, this is what you want to see from a younger, growing kind of player is, okay, here are the skills that are going to get you on the court if you develop into somebody that we want to sign to a serious deal, to an NBA contract, right? And so for Brown, that's his athleticism and abilities in transition on top of that defense. That's what the Pacers want. That's what their identity is, right? If you remember Summer League last year, I remember Ron Norad, after one of their Summer League practices, was talking about, you know, they were doing some running drill. And Kendall Brown was so far ahead of everybody that he looked away and looked back and thought he like cheated in the trail because Brown was so far ahead of every other player on the Pacers in terms of where he was in the drill. Like he's that fast. He can really jump, right? He was a really highly rated high school recruit for all of these exact reasons, right? He's got this sort of bounce, this athleticism, this speed that separates him from other players, right? Similar to Isaiah Jackson in that it's so unique. It's such an advantage that it's something teams absolutely have to explore. And Kendall Brown has that. And I think another boost here is he fits the Pacers style 
as a result, right? Every team wants wings. Every team wants athleticism. He's both of those things. But the Pacers specifically like to play fast, like to play in the open floor. They wanted to add that athleticism last year. Rick Carlisle kept talking about it. He specifically would reference they finished last in dunks. They don't want to do that anymore. Well, Kendall Brown certainly helps you not do that. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in summer league this year. So as a player, like as a 20-year-old young player that you'd like to explore, Kendall Brown is exactly what you kind of search for for your back end of the roster guys. Certainly has potential, plays a key position of need that maybe could grow into something someday. And it's obvious what his path to actually being an NBA rotation player is. So do the Pacers, should they want to keep him? Will they want to keep him? Well, if they are inclined to keep him, if they would like Kendall Brown to be on their team next year, it's easy. They have his restricted rights, right? They can make him a restricted free agent with a qualifying offer this summer and then match any deal another team would give. Now, he's not good enough that another team's going to be running in with a huge offer, but even on a two-way, like just guaranteeing by offering him the qualifying offer that they can have him back on something next year is valuable. If they want Kendall Brown back, they can have him. And clearly they wanted him last year, right? They gave up future pick equity to get Kendall Brown at 48. And they, they were waffling. I mean, I, I guess I don't know this, but given how long it took them to actually sign him, I suppose it looks like they were kind of considering what the deal they would give him would actually look like. They went with the two-way in the end. And Kevin Pritchard once again reiterated it at his end-of-season presser. He said, we still feel really good about Kendall Brown. He had a bad injury and a little later, but we really like him. Whether he's on a two-way deal or on the roster, I'm not sure yet, right? So still, again, considerations. But I think they think, or I think they would like to potentially have him back. But the injury is the reason this is a discussion. They didn't get enough to watch him. I got too far into that talking about this, but I had a stress reaction in his leg and he sat out for six weeks and then he came back and then immediately stress fracture surgery, right? He should be good to go by summer league, he said, but you know that's as bad as it gets. He thought it was a muscle thing forever. He's been playing through that pain for a long time, which is actually kind of impressive. So maybe even a healthier year with less pain could be valuable for him, but he was good in summer league last year, if you recall. Like he popped a little bit. The athleticism popped off the page, and he was apparently playing with pain in his leg the whole time. And so the Pacers invested stuff into him, but didn't get as much out on the back end because of that injury, right? He only played in six NBA games. Certainly in the last 10, 15 games of the NBA season, they would have been getting him time if they could, right? That's exactly the moments when you would like to see a guy like that get out there, but they didn't have those chances. But they still clearly, again, have some sort of investment level in him, given when they played him during the season, his G League stuff, how they treated him in the draft last year, his summer league was good. So in general, I think he is someone that the Pacers would definitely have interest in retaining. But it's never that easy. But there is another thing to throw in the mix here. If he's going to come back on a two-way, he is still two-way eligible. NBA teams now have three two-way slots. That is an addition in the new CBA. Instead of two two-way contract slots, it's three. So teams, I think, might be more willing or more inclined to have just a complete flyer shot in the dark. Maybe this guy's amazing. Maybe he's awful. Sort of two-way. And I don't think Kendall Brown is is like that. But I think teams are going to be willing to have you know, a riskier spot of a two-way. And Kendall Brown doesn't have a lot of ball skills yet. We'll get to the cons of potentially signing him in a second. But I think the extra two-way means, especially for a guy like Kendall Brown, who Kevin Pritchard said they're considering bringing back, but hasn't proven all that much in the NBA. He seems like a perfect fit for one of those spots, and an extra one certainly makes it easier to get all this done. So the pros of the Pacers keeping Kendall Brown, the guy they drafted 48th overall last year, he's kind of good, <laughs> defensively especially. Uh, I don't like I don't know if he's NBA good, but certainly fringe of the NBA right now good, and I think that matters. 
uh, certainly. And if you know me, when I talk about wings, we talked about this on the Thompson Twin uh, draft breakdowns. If you can defend or shoot, I think you have a spot on the wing in the NBA. And he, if he can defend, hey, that's you're already there. Pacers liked him. The evidence is there. I don't see any reason that they wouldn't anymore based on who I've talked to and uh, how the team has talked about him and my conversations with Kendall in general. Worth investing in positionally. He's a good on-court fit, right? A lot of pros in bringing him back in two ways are they have opportunity costs, but the, the actual, we'll get to this in the third segment, cap cost is pretty minimal. There are a lot of reasons to bring back Kendall Brown. Now, the cons are he doesn't have a lot of ball skills yet, right? The jump shot is, eh, it's mostly below average, I would say. Not a good handle at this stage, right? Certainly a development project, and that's not a bad thing. Being a development project isn't a bad thing, but it, it can be, you know, when you're using a roster spot on a guy who's a project, it's no longer being used on someone who can either help you win or could be someone that actually is on the court. But that's what two ways are for. Those kind of younger pieces that need the G League time, that need the game reps to get better. So perhaps it, none, that, none, none of that is even a con. And Kendall Brown just makes sense to have back for the Pacers anyways because of the pros being so strong. And again, they liked him last year. I think that they like him still. Kevin Pritchard even talked about potentially bringing him back, and they have precedent with this before, right? Edmund Sumner, when they drafted him, he got a two-year two-way. Now, he was already injured, which Brown was not when they picked him. Well, he was, but they didn't know, I guess. Um, but maybe, I don't know what the perfect way to describe that is. Like, he had, he said he had the pain for a while, but I don't know what the deal was when they picked him. Either way, Sumner got a two-year two-way. He had two years on one before getting a better contract. Brian Bowen, this is the most similar parallel, had a two-way with the Pacers and then signed a second two-way with the Pacers for another season and probably would have finished out that season, but the Pacers needed center depth so bad that they cut him to bring in Amita Brima for like three rotation games. They were desperate for center depth at the time. So they've done this before with two consecutive years of the same guy in a two-way deal. It's not that unheard of in the NBA at all, especially when there's an injury involved like this, especially when it's a guy they like. So Kendall Brown, there are a lot of pros to bring him back. We'll get to if I think he will will be back or not in the third segment but now i want to talk about their other two-way guy who's headed into free agency and that's gabe york who came in at the end of the season at the guard spot one of the better g league scorers this past season should the pacers bring him back do they need him for a full season again uh do they want to bring him back for a third individual signing we'll cover that in the next segment before we do that though Got to talk to you guys about eBay Motors. Every championship team needs the right parts in the right place, just like your vehicle. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And when it comes to your vehicle, every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. And every single day for your second listen, Locked on Heat or Locked on Celtics. Get the scoopage on Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Can the Celtics actually do this? Will the Heat close it out? What's going on? Either of those shows will have the spot for you. Let's talk about Gabe York. Fun story. Two seasons running for the Pacers now after coming in on his two-way deal again and shining for the Pacers down the stretch earned his call up absolute baller in the g league i know it's the g league and people can sometimes roll their eyes at that but good g league players typically at least have some nba level talent gabe york 
22 points per game in the G League last year, 40% from three, okay, 39.4, basically 40, on almost 10 attempts per game. That was his big improvement from two years ago to last year, is the three-point shot, and you saw that with the Pacers. You remember, he hit one third of his threes with the Pacers, but he was flinging them in that first game he played and did pretty well. Uh, also, in the G League this past season, 4.3 rebounds, 3.9 assists, moderately low turnovers guy. Like, he can just freaking score, man. And that is valuable in the G League and in the NBA. Scoring is, of course, important. I think people would call him a, a hooper, a scorer, whatever. He fits that kind of prototype as a player. And he really got a lot better last year. And he got that taste of the NBA two years ago for those two games and kind of realized he could do it. That's kind of how he described it to me. And because he ended the season last year on a two-way and he has this advantage again this year, he's still technically on the Pacers right now under contract, right? He can go into the facilities. He can work out with his teammates, right? That's all resources he can use because he's on the team. He said working out with Tyrese Halliburton last year was really vital for him in terms of pushing to stay in the NBA, pushing to get better, being the best player he can be, wanting to make it in the league again. And he did, right? He got that call up again for deserved reasons. But that development as a shooter is perhaps the biggest thing with him that I think is important in terms of his past and future is if you can shoot nine attempts per game and make a ton of them, like you're just a good shooter. He's just a good shooter. And he does a lot of those off the dribble himself. It's not a lot. Of, I mean, he can do spot ups, but he did mostly spot ups with the Pacers actually, but he can catch, do two dribbles and shoot or walk it up in transition and just in three or in, tra- in rhythm three in transition, excuse me. I just skipped a word of that sentence for no reason, right? Like, he's got those skills, and those are valuable. Pacers, everybody got a green light. He took 18 threes in three games with the Pacers, right? They clearly let him shoot it, and you saw that in the three games he played with the team. So he's mostly a scoring one, but that's valuable. But he doesn't have the rest of the point guard kind of skills, right? He's not the best creator for others like you're not going to ask him to run a set his pick and roll abilities are fine but they're not like amazing he's definitely more score first than pass first but he's low turnover right it's not like it's a bad thing like you could almost call him more of a shooting guard than a point guard but he is a capable ball handler who can take it up the floor and like drive to the basket so he's kind of like a, a hybrid guard i would say definitely more scoring than passing certainly and the defense Definitely not his forte. I think even he would admit that to you. But, um, you know, the shooting is so impressive. And the thing I think for him that's going to be interesting to monitor as the third two-way slot comes in is how much point guard depth does a team need? If Halberton and Nembard and McConnell are all back, that's three. Do you need a fourth point guard, right? That's already where the conversation is going to start with Gabe York. And if you do need a fourth point guard, would you rather just get by with that being... Matherin healed someone for the sparing moments that that's the case or do you think well we'd rather trust Gabe York to do that for a little tiny bit and I talk about this a lot but like you know a couple years ago they had Brogdon as a point guard they had McConnell as a point guard and they had Lavert as kind of an emergency point guard and then when all those guys were hurt and they had to turn to Brad Wanamaker for an extended stretch that went just terrible even he was their third fourth option whatever at the position, and that sunk them some games. Like, you want as much quality depth as you can have. Is York actually quality enough? I don't know. But on a two-way deal, maybe it would be worth it. But that kind of illustrated how important point guard depth is. I also just skipped George Hill because he's technically a free agent, but who knows? He could be back. Go back to Tuesday's episode if you want more details on that. If they have George Hill and McConnell and Nembard and Halliburton, you probably don't need any more depth at the spot, right? So you can make the argument that point guard depth is important, 
but I don't think you need another one if you're the Pacers, right? Late in the season when Halliburton's not playing and you got Nembard on the one, and then, oh, look, McConnell's also not playing for these last two games. Yeah, then Gabe York, there's minutes for him to actually get out there and do stuff, but that won't be there over the course of a full season. And the thing for him, you know, as being one of these kind of fringe guys for the NBA is he turns 30 in August, right, before the season starts. So it's not like you can also just easily throw him on a two-way and say this is a development project. And, yeah, he's inexperienced. He's definitely developing. Like I said, he got way better, especially as a shooter, from two years ago to last year. But it's still noteworthy that how the age kind of can impact what he could be. So I think that the factors at play here, the third two-way matters, right? If if I think uh, teams could consider this, like, Two projects and one like break glass in case of emergency. Oh, you can actually kind of help us kind of player on two-way deals, right? Like a guy who barely fits the two-way criteria and just barely didn't make rosters, but they carry him through as much of the season as they can at the NBA club. And then the other two are kind of like the old two-way guys that really split time between the pro club and the G League team. I don't know what teams are going to do or how they're going to think about that, but that strategy would make some sense to me at least and if that is what teams do or that is what the Pacers decide to do is they you know try to be a postseason team next season perhaps York could be that guy right just in case extra guard depth I don't know again if they'll need that they have a ton of cards already but just in case keep them around they can play with the Mad Ants if they need it if not here's some Pacers appearances if if you need that and he's shown that he knows the system he fits well with what Carlisle wants to do he's gotten the call up two years in a row for a reason and some of that's his plan some of that he's a good dude who fits with what they're doing. So the pros, if you need point guard depth, he plays the one. I think one and four would be the most important positions for the Pacers. Fittingly, for Tuesday's free agency show, that's what George Hill and James Johnson play. Fittingly, for today's free agency show, that's what Kendall Brown and Gabe York play. His scoring and shooting are valuable skills, right? Gabe York has at least one NBA-level skill. The cons, he's 30. That's not typically what you search for with two-way deals involving the G League in those slots. Now that alone is not a reason not to sign him, but if you're trying to use those, you know, G League spots to develop a young guy or see what they can do, like thinking back through all of the Pacers two ways since the two-way contract became a thing in 2017-18, I think the oldest guy they've ever had on it was Alex Poitras, uh that first year of it under Nate McMillan, and even he was uh yeah, he was 24 turned 25 during that season, right? So even he was a little like young-ish, but Ben Moore, Sumner, Brian Bowen, Amita Brima. Brima was a little older too, but that was more of an emergency situation. Um, who am I missing here? Devon Reed. Uh, that one, man. They actually would like to have had him through the years, it seems like. Uh, Cassius Stanley, right? All these guys are much, much, much younger. Yeah, even Brima was 26, right? And he's he's so he's the oldest non-Gabe York option here. So it's very rare for older players to get them historically, but there's a third two-way now. How does that actually change how the Pacers or teams will think about this? I don't know, but York, good player as a shooter. Uh, he's kind of in that 1A range where it's like not quite NBA level all the time, but definitely too good for the G League. So that's what the two-way contract is potentially for. Yeah, he'd be a good fit on it if they do it, but I think they might search for young talent instead. What do I actually think is going to happen for Kendall Brown and Gabe York in free agency? Well, let's go to segment three to close out today's show and talk about just that. Thank you, as always, for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Let's see, anything newsy this week? Yeah, LeBron. Uh, 
potentially maybe retiring, but also definitely not. Uh, Locked on Lakers for more on that. Or Carmelo Anthony retiring. Locked on Nuggets will probably do stuff on him while they're waiting for the finals. As well as Locked on Knicks. Hopefully those shows do something about Melo. If not, listen to him anyway. Get the latest on the Knicks and the Nuggets ahead of the finals and the Knicks interesting upcoming off season. So what's going to happen here? What do I think is going to happen here? Remember, this is predictions. This is not reporting. Uh, If it was reporting, I would make that very clear. With Gabe York and Kendall Brown in free agency, so far predictions from me. O'Shea Brissett, not back with the Pacers. James Johnson, not back with the Pacers. George Hill, yes, back with the Pacers. Kendall Brown, I'll start with him. Given the way Pritchard's quote was said, where they said, we still feel really good about him, and they're trying to determine what they could potentially do between two different kinds of contracts. That already hints to me that they would consider bringing him back. But remember, I actually said something about this during the season, if those of you who listen every day, everydayers, will recall. When they signed Gabe York, I actually, boop, my antenna went up. Beep, boop, boop, interesting thing here. They waved Trevlin Queen instead of Kendall Brown. Maybe there's more to that, but they signed Gabe York, and he played down the stretch of the season. Kendall Brown was out for the season right then. And Trevlin Queen was healthy and available to play, but they still wanted to keep Brown, keep him in-house, keep him as a restricted free agent. And I don't know why, if they wanted to bring him back or not, or if they just wanted to have him rehab, but they could have cut a guy who was not able to play for them and had York and Queen for those final games, but they didn't. They held on to Kendall Brown. Boop, boop, boop. A sign again that they like him. Their actions, actions are always the route to follow to figure out what teams do and don't like. That's again... Something I talked about with James Johnson earlier this week. So I think they, they even beyond what Pritchard said, I really do believe they still do like him. Uh, I think they're they're into his potential. There's a reason they traded stuff to get him in the draft last year. And I think that his defensive skills are obvious. He can just get a little better as a handler or shooter. And sometimes guys with leg injuries who can't run, they work on their form and their jumper gets better. Bring up, I think he could be back. And I think if I was making my prediction for Kendall Brown, I would guess he is back on the Pacers next year. Remember, that is a guess, not reporting, but it makes sense, right? They liked him. They have three open two-way slots. He's only 20. He plays an in-demand position in the league. He's a restricted free agent, so they're not, you know, they have the the methods to keep him no matter what. Like, every sign points to this being yes. There's extremely little downside to doing so, right? The thing about two-ways that's fascinating, this is not the case with roster spots. Like, with two-ways, they don't count against the salary cap, so it's not like signing that player means you don't have as much room to sign someone else. You can waive them and sign someone else, again, with very little cost because they don't count against the cap. You have to pay the guy, but that that's it. Like That's a lower cost, so the opportunity cost is lower because you can turn through them a little faster. And now that there's a third two-way, that opportunity cost is even smaller, right? So from a salary cap perspective, two-ways are kind of less risky. So yes, there's some opportunity cost. You can no longer use that two-way slot on any other player, But Kendall Brown in general is the kind of guy that I think two ways are for, right? Not quite NBA talented yet in terms of some skills, but potentially on the way there, young, growing, a guy that a team wants but doesn't have minutes for. So this increases the chances he could be in the league later. It allows him more chances to get better. It allows the Pacers to keep him in-house and look at him up close. Like everybody kind of wins from two ways for players like Kendall Brown. And that's why it just makes a lot of sense to me that he'd be back again in the same sort of contract situation as they try to bring him along, develop him, see if he can be the player they hoped he could be when they picked him 48th overall in the 2022 draft. Um, but I think a two-way still makes more sense at his current level of skill and his injury past. Right, They didn't get a ton of details on what he could be last year in 
40 NBA minutes and not very many G League games. Like, he hasn't played since Jan- January, I want to say, and he barely even played much of that month. He was on a minutes restriction for much of his time after returning from the first injury, which was in, like, early December, right? So, really, he only had a month and a half of normal minute game time, and the G League didn't even start till mid-November. You get what I'm saying. The sample of what they could see out of him was small. So... I think they like him enough, and the the actions and the words suggest Kendall Brown will be back. And if I was a guessing man, uh, I would say two-way and not an actual roster spot. But if they have roster spots, why not? (laughs) Why not Uh, give him something at the back end of the team? But I think two-way makes the most sense. York, my prediction would be he's not back to open next season. Even with the third two-way slide, he still feels like a guy you kind of give an exhibit 10 to. Good training camp piece. He gets a bonus to report to the G League, but not somebody you open the season with on your team. I mean, he's. Def- I don't think he's worth the roster spot at this exact moment. He's he's never had a full NBA deal, um, but he has had the two two ways and is certainly talent again t- talented enough to be that kind of guy or a back end of the roster kind of guy. But the Pacers don't have the roster spots for him or Brown really to get one unless they have like a crazy trade where they send out a bunch of guys for one or. Um, they just have the worst free agency ever, which, again, I don't expect either of those things to happen. So it seems like he'd be a two-way candidate. And again, the way I use two-ways and the way the Pacers have historically used two-ways is not for a 30-year-old sixth, not even sixth, eighth, ninth guard, whatever, given how many the Pacers have. And these all sound like negatives to Gabe York. They're not. Gabe York, again, was good last year as a shooter, got clearly better, Uh and there's not a lot of like bad things you can do with two ways because the opportunity cost is low. The cap cost is exceedingly low. It's not like you can really hinder yourself or your team building or costs or anything unless you spam through like 30 players on two ways. But I still think the way two ways are typically used and Gabe York's situation don't perfectly match. That said, I remember someone with the team telling me a few years ago, like they like to have guards on two ways just in case for depth reasons. And if you look through the years, typically one of their two two ways has been a guard or at least some sort of ball handling type uh, just in general. And sometimes that guy has to play and sometimes that guy doesn't. But at least you have the added depth in that case. And now there's a third two way. So I'd even be more inclined to think the Pacers will have guards in those two way slots. Dwayne Washington, Edmund Sumner, Devon Reed. I could go through a bunch of them. Gabe York, <laughs> Trevor and Queen last year. Uh, again, you get the idea. Uh, so I, perhaps for that, they like having the guards there. Uh, Gabe York can do stuff. Perhaps they bring him back. But uh, I feel like the way that the team used two ways, the fact that they didn't bring him back last year, we've seen actions of them doing this before. It seems like, again, he, he might be better off starting the season in the G League and trying to work for that promotion once again. He's proved he can do it twice. Perhaps he could do it a third time. He is still 2A eligible. So we'll see. But as a prediction man, this is a prediction segment. Gabe York, not back. So my official prediction for all five Pacers free agents, O'Shea Brissett, not back with the Pacers, James Johnson, not back with the Pacers, and Gabe York, not back with the Pacers to open the season. But if I was predicting, I would say that George Hill... And Kendall Brown would be yeses. But we'll see. A lot could change. Maybe the draft changes the number of guards they have on the team. Maybe trades change how many guards are on the team. Maybe free agency tra- changes the number of guards or the, the structure of the team in general. And all of a sudden, these players become more or less important or they have more roster spots for vets or they need point guard depth desperately. But right now, given the information we have, given the actions we've seen, given the words we've heard from the Pacers, 
those are my predictions for their five guys. Next time we'll dive into free agency will be in June, probably the first full week of June. And for those of you who've listened to Locked On Pacers for years, you know I like to do free agency previews by position. So we'll do a point guard one. Well, why would the Pacers want to sign a player at every position, or should they not? Who is the best options in each position, and what's a realistic option? We do that for all of the five positions, and you can hear all the free agents that way. And if you think I miss a player, you can tell me that way. It's a good way to get a feel for what fans like at each position, what the Pacers could or couldn't need, cap stuff. It's all very good. Um, but this is the end of the Pacers free agency previews. Tomorrow, Asar Thompson. Next Monday, talking who is and isn't eligible for extensions for the Pacers this summer. And, of course, Cam Whitmore also coming early next week. Uh, if you're listening to this, I am either in Alaska or en route to Alaska for the next five days, unless you're listening to it in June. Um, so probably going to be a little slower to respond to YouTube comments or tweets. I apologize for that. But appreciate you guys listening every single day. As always, again, tomorrow, Asar Thompson with Ben Pfeiffer. You won't want to miss it as we dive in to all these draft prospects ahead of the draft. Hope you guys had a great day and enjoyed this show. If you did, hey, comment, leave a review if you're on iTunes. I never ask for reviews. I don't know why. It's not a big deal. Um, thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a fantastic day. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>